Sports Ethos New York Nick Podcast Andre Galliber. Uh I I think I said it. I know I said it. I said the idea that you don't worry about the injuries, you don't worry about what happens with the injuries, as long as everyone's healthy for the playoffs, that's fantasy land here in New York. It's probably fantasy land everywhere. But it's fantasy land, land here in New York because I I don't know why I don't I, I you know I can sit here and guess at it but you have too many fans even fans that have a head on their shoulders that cannot understand the concept of losing to good teams when you're not at full strength they just can't I don't understand why they can't they just can't. You have fans that expect them to beat the Pelicans without Jalen Brunson. I I don't understand. <laughs> I I don't understand. No no Julius Randle. I'm not, I'm not gonna say. I think saying Mitchell Robinson is a little is pouring on because the backup center position has, if it's not precious, it has been. A little spotty, but you know, uh, Precious has played well at backup center. Precious has been having to play power forward too, so it gets a little shaky. But of course, Mitch makes them a stronger team if he's a backup. But we ain't gonna talk about that right now. <laughs> but no, Julius, no OG. Can we stop? Like, can we stop acting like the team is supposed to still be good? And the media is not even doing that. The, I mean, except for like trolls, I think. You know, Mark Berman is a little bit of a troll. Except for guys like that, the media is not even doing that. And then folks who understand that. Sometimes they get bogged down with again. I keep saying the same thing. How how they lose? You know they're gonna lose, and and but you know the plays that aren't made while they're trying to win drives you crazy. You can't you know you can't deal with it. You can't you can't. Oh, this guy's stuck because he's trash. Well, he's being asked to do stuff that he's not supposed to do on a winning team. They're not gonna beat anybody. I saw. I told you about Hartenstein, and we're getting kind of half a Hartenstein when, even when he's playing. But no Hartenstein, no Brunson. The Brunson's injury, it scares me because the Knicks are mum on injuries. They don't tell you much. Said he had some kind of spasms in his in his neck. Like, come on, man. What does that mean? Is he going to be okay? <laughs> or is he going to be out for six weeks? You're going to say he's day-to-day and he's going to be out for six weeks. He's questionable. He's questionable. The Knicks, the Knicks have Randall listed as a game-time decision after the All-Star break. The first game after the All-Star break. I forget who it was. They had him listed as a game-time decision. It might have been for five minutes, but I saw it in my own eyes. Like That might not have anything to do with the Knicks. Maybe it was just a, a clerical error of some sort, but... You know, Brunson was listed as questionable coming into this game yesterday. I don't want to hear that he's out for two, three weeks. 
And if Brunson's gone, you can forget it. They might fall into the plan. You're losing, you're missing your, pretty much your entire starting lineup. Like, what are we doing here? And you're expecting them to win. They're not going to win. I saw Brunson was out. I saw Hartenstein was out. They're going to lose to the Pelicans tonight. Why can't you see it that way? I don't understand. Why are you, why are you sitting there breaking this game down? Killing people. Killing Tibbs. <laughs> killing Tibbs. Stop. I literally saw a post yesterday that said, Precious Achua is a backup. Send him back to the bench. What what does that even mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? He is a, he's literally a backup. You see he's playing because the starters are out. What are you talking about? Now, again, you've heard me say it. I will discuss troubling trends. And Alec is still looking ridiculous out there. Now, I would say the, the first thing that he needs to do is stop driving to the basket, jumping off one foot, trying to trying to score at the front of the rim, get a foul call. I think he needs to stop doing that. He needs to stop trying to get foul calls. He's not going to get them. I think I tried to look at the numbers to see if the numbers supported this, and uh, I looked at them briefly, and it doesn't seem like they do, but it feels like the game is not being called quite as close as it was a few weeks ago. I think you've heard Mike Breen talk about it on the broadcast. Uh, Steve Popper, I think it was the first person I saw mention that. And he saw it like right away. I think it was, I think it might have been a Houston, Houston game where he thought the referees were swallowing their whistles a lot for both sides. Even though know, the Houston game, there was a huge disparity between Houston and uh, the Knicks at the free throw line. But he keeps driving to the basket like he's James Harden. He's going to get these calls. He's not. And they're just bad shots. And nobody on the team takes those shots. That's not what the Knicks do here. Stop. All right? You get a step on a guy if you can't get to the absolute front of the rim. Kick it out. Or pump fake. Get your get yourself together. Gather yourself and and get a better shot up. Stop stop taking off at or off one leg at the at the dotted and trying to finger roll off the top of the backboard against help defense. Stop. I mean start there. But he just looks, he looks, I'm not going to say he looks unserious, but I think that's the wrong way to describe it. But he kind of does look that way. I just think he's nervous. I think he's out of sorts. He doesn't know which way is up. He doesn't know where his shots are coming from. I, the one thing I remember about Alec Burks is he, he's a good shooter, but he sometimes rushes his shots. And it's almost, Carmelo used to do that too. Carmelo would rush his shots. He would he would shoot shots like he was already hot, and sometimes when you're hot, you just kind of flick it up there. It's like it's, it's it feels so good. Carmelo would sometimes do that before he got hot. 
and it was like you're missing that's an easy shot for you you're missing easy shot after easy shot take your time take your shot follow through you know, what have you he doesn't Alec doesn't always do that he catches it and sometimes he puts it right up but when you see him take like a half a second compose himself and put that shot up half a second not holding it forever it looks like to me he makes that shot a little bit more often but he doesn't look good out there he just doesn't and the truth is they brought him here for situations not so much when Jalen is out but when you when you don't have you know any any fire scoring power off the bench and you don't have leadership offensively off the bench that's what he was here to do and he's not doing it where would the team be without Josh Hart? You know, Dante is not quite as effective as he was before. Josh Hart's creating offense and getting in front of the rim and shooting well from three since the All-Star break. Where would they be without Josh Hart? Josh Hart is, is doing what Alec was supposed to be doing. And Alec needs to take a page out of his book. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna get to the front of the rim, get to the front of the rim the way Josh is doing and if you don't have it then bring it back out and just run the offense you know take that little shot at the free throw line take that little fade away at the free throw line attack closeouts yeah it feels like he's doing too much or trying to do too much and he's not being effective at all so he's he's really making all of the haters he's giving them all the ammo in the world but more importantly he's not helping the team at all and it's a shame because they need it now you look at Bogdanovich a different situation uh you can tell he's out of you know he's trying to find his way he's trying to find a rhythm he's trying to be aggressive these are all things he knows the Knicks need his scoring but he's forcing it to no avail he's not making the most of his three-point shooting opportunities. Uh, he's not even making his open shots very often. I looked at his plus and minus. Someone brought up his plus and minus numbers. I wanted to dive into them deeper before the show. I feel like some of it is him, obviously, but I feel like some of it is a product of him playing with Alec, <laughs> to be honest with you, and Alec not playing well. Uh, he's out there sometimes by himself. With no other, you know, he might have Josh or, or, or uh, you know, he definitely has Josh out there with him sometimes. But you know, he's out there with guys like Jericho Sims and Precious Achua and guys who aren't going to be effective scorers and, and aren't being guarded. It's it's a little harder to get your get your shot off. But with the opportunities that he's given, he's not been effective with them. Defensively, you know, it's going to be hit or miss with him. So if he's not giving you offense when he's out there, you're not going to get a ton of defense. You're not going to get a ton. So he's been a net negative since he's come to the team. Now, the one thing I would say with that, say with about that is, you know, going back to what I said to start the show, the, the team's not at full strength, and you know, all these guys are backups, and they're supposed to be backups to. The more effective, obviously, more effective players, and they're supposed to be on the floor sometimes with a lot more effective players. 
you know, and OG is going to create more stops and you're going to get more rebounds and you're going to get more transition opportunities where these guys have more floor to take advantage of offensively. So, you know, they, they'll be better in theory when better players return. That said, the Knicks depth is supposed to be, should have been bolstered by Bogdanovich and Alec Burks and it's not. So a game last night, like last night, it, the Pelicans scored. They hit a lot of threes. They played well. But if they were able to keep pace offensively, it would have been a close game in the fourth quarter. They couldn't keep pace offensively because guys like Alec Burks and Bogdanovich didn't step up. They also couldn't hit a shot uh, across the board. Dante didn't shoot the ball very, very well. Uh, he didn't get a ton from McBride, even though he played decently. Obviously, Josh played very, very well, but you didn't get anything from anyone else. And that's where those guys are supposed to step up. You at least want to see that that they can, you know, put some points on the board. In fairness, the Pelicans are a good defensive team. You're not going to expect, you know, everybody to get off and be efficient against a good defensive team. But these guys, again, this is part of a trend. And, 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 and when you have a situation like this where you know the team's going to lose, you look at trends. And they didn't step up, and they haven't been stepping up, and that's cause for concern. I, I'm more concerned about Alec than I am Bogdanovich, because Bogdanovich is old, and you know he knows what he can do. You know he's pressing, which is what you always fear when it comes to guys coming to New York. But the pressure isn't really on Bogdanovich going forward. Like when the team is full strength, it's not on on him. So that pressure shouldn't be as big of a deal. But when everybody's out and they, you know, they need to step up. Yeah, that pressure's there. And, you know, anybody can melt under that New York spotlight. So those two things, man, got to be honest. You know, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good right now. Josh Hart, though. Josh Hart looks good out there. And for all you guys out there that were shading Josh Hart, it's, you know, he wasn't shooting the ball well, and sometimes he was flailing at the rim and all that kind of stuff. But Josh Hart, don't forget, the Knicks are about 20 games over 500 when Josh Hart is is on the floor. And if it wasn't for the Knicks faltering at the end of the season last year because Julius got hurt and the Knicks were kind of coasting into the playoffs, Josh Hart would be even more games over 500. Even more. So Josh Hart is very important to this team. And what you what you saw in the last two games, the Detroit game and the Pelican game, is the Knicks are short. And obviously, that person is OG. But the Knicks are short a wing defender with some size. It's literally just OG and Josh Hart. And... Alec Brooks can can obviously, you know, be a little bit of that as well. He's not a shutdown defender, though. You know, he's not a guy that's striking any fear into anyone. He's just solid. He's an okay defender. And he's not playing well offensively, so that hurts. But they, they could use one more guy at the, at the end of the bench who, you know, if Josh gets hurt, God forbid, as hard as he plays, you can have one more guy with a little bit of size you could throw out there to slow somebody down, you know, so you're not just losing 
losing or getting scored on just because you have a size disadvantage. I think they could just use one more. I think they could use one more guy sitting on the end of the bench. I like Daquan Jeffries. He's not the tallest guy in the world, but I like him. I like Jacob Toppin. Uh, I don't see him as being that that player right now. He doesn't look like he's that that sharp, that active. It doesn't look like his feet are, are moving that quickly right now, and he hasn't had much of a sample size. But he doesn't look like he's like super super active, you know, defensively at the moment. You know, he'll fly from the weak side to get you a block shot or something like that. But uh, I think it was who was it that was cooking him? Was it Luca? <laughs> that was cooking him. Obviously, Luca he cooks everybody, but he cooked him with the same move like three times. That kind of stuff bothers me. Not the same move, bro. You've seen this. First of all, it's Luca's pet move, and then you're getting shook on it three times, really, really bad. It, that's he, I don't think he's really that guy. But they could probably use one more dude they could throw out there in situations like they're in for the next two, three weeks, where you might not have Randall and OG, and God forbid. Josh gets worn down from all the minutes he's playing. You don't have anybody that can guard with any size behind those guys outside Alec. So these are the dark days. These are the dark days. Obviously, they went one and one in these last two games. It's not the end of the world. But people are kind of treating the Detroit game like it was a loss. That doesn't bother me. I don't. I don't know why any of you are bothered by that. First of all, the game wouldn't have been over if they called that foul. Can we just start with that? He'd have gone to the line. He's a rookie, and he'd have gone to the line. If he made two free throws, they would have been down three with five seconds to go. Like, what do we – come on. They still had a chance. They still would have had a chance to win the game. So, stop it. And in the last two-minute report, they said the Pistons fouled once and should have been called for three seconds. So, that foul, that's free throws. More than likely. Right in those last two minutes, they probably would have limit. More than likely, that's free throws and the three seconds is a technical foul. I'm not saying they would have called it. That seems kind of cheap. I'm not going to be disingenuous. But what are we talking about here? Just because it was one of the final plays of the game, that foul matters, and the ones right before it don't. Now, the fact that it was a close game, that doesn't mean anything to me. Detroit's been playing close games recently. Detroit's been playing better. They... They've been close to winning games. That's why Monty is furious because he feels like he's been cheated out a few, a few wins, uh, recently. They're playing better. They're a much more competent team. Kay Cunningham is playing much better. He's shooting much better. You saw how well he shot the ball against the Knicks. They have a little bit more spacing on the floor than they had early in the season. They're they're an effective. They can be an effective team, and they're out there playing hard, and they and they they can beat you. And then you add to that the revenge factor that you had from three former Knicks, including Malachi Flynn, who came looking to take necks out there. He came looking for necks. I couldn't wait for Malachi Flynn to come out of this game. That's right. I wanted Cade Cunningham to come back into the game. Because Malachi Flynn looked like he was going to be a whole problem. Cade, I can deal with Cade. Because you saw what Cade ended up doing, right? He ended up taking some some shots. I'm not even going to call them bad shots, but eh, we'll live with them shots. Because that's what he does. He was hot from the outside. He was hot from three. The Knicks turned up the heat. Yeah, he was playing with a little. He, he got sped up a little bit. And now those shots weren't looking as sweet. 
Meanwhile, Malachi is not afraid of nothing. And I've always known that. Malachi didn't surprise me. I, I'm more surprised with how people see Malachi. I've never sat down and, and watched Malachi very closely to see why people weren't big fans of his. But he, you can always, not always, but the last few years, he could shoot it. He could drive it. He could get by people. I don't understand why he doesn't get more looks, to be honest with you. I clearly it comes down to some defense, his defensive deficiencies. But man, I could tell that he was out there trying to trying to prove something when he was playing. Now you had him out there trying to prove something, Fournier trying to prove something, and Grimes trying to prove something. And you know what? If you listen to the show, you know how I feel about Quentin Grimes. You know I've rooted for him. You know I have positive opinions of him, even though. I might criticize uh, something specific here or there. I've been very fair in those criticisms. Quentin Grimes needed to play like that when he was here. If he played like that when he was here, he would not have gotten traded. More than likely. Because he asked me, remember, he kind of asked for a trade. It was rumored that he asked for a trade. He was looking to be moved. If he played with that kind of confidence, if he played with that kind of fire and intensity, and it's not that he played, he didn't play with them, if it, didn't play with it at all, but he didn't play with it like that. He was playing with a level of confidence and determination that if he had done that while he was here, he would have gotten more minutes. At the same time, there was a minute crunch. So Dante... Is the has the third most three pointers made in the league this year. There's a minute crunch. Okay? There's a minute crunch. It is what it is. And he got eaten up by it. But he could have just as easily just been part of the rotation, do what you can, play play your way into more minutes. But instead, he kind of played soft. He didn't make his shots. He wasn't as good defensively consistently. You even saw him make, make his free throws last night. Three free throws. Got five on three-point shot. Made all three free throws. You couldn't get Quentin Grimes to make a free throw to save his life when he was with the Knicks. Okay? He go up there and hit three free throws. And I've seen two people make comment about this. I saw two people say something. I just knew Quentin Grimes was going to miss... At least one or two of those free throws. Because that's what he would do with a Nick. But he went up there and knocked them all down. How many big shots has Quentin Grimes missed too, by the way? I mean, he's he's made his share too. But how many how many shots has he made? I mean, I should I should say how many shots has he missed? Big shots like Quentin. You need this one. Ah. Remember the Miami game six? Where they ran a play and he was able to shake somebody off and I think somebody gambled in the sidelines. He had a wide open three and hit the like the side of the rim. <laughs> what the hell? I just think some people aren't cut out for New York. I think he's not cut out for New York. You cannot be cut out for New York and be cut out to come here and put on a show. But when the light when the light is on you and and you, the pressure is on you and you gotta perform, some guys aren't cut out for it. 
And you got to not have guys like that here. And I'm, I'm not advocating for, you know, the need to move Quentin Grimes, but I just want to make it clear that you can't look at Quentin Grimes' ceiling of gameplay, which is what you saw last that last game in Detroit. You saw the ceiling of Quentin Grimes, as far as we can tell. If he, if he adds something to his bag and he gets better at other things, we're not going to talk about that right now. But from what we've seen, that is the ceiling of Quentin Grimes. You saw it in that fourth quarter. You saw it. You can't take the ceiling of Quentin Grimes and say, why would the Knicks trade this guy? You can't do that. You got to watch the games. You got to be in the mix so that you know that Quentin Grimes is not doing that all the time. Not this year. And you can blame everybody under the sun for it. You can say, hey, it's Tibbs' fault. It, they have too many people playing. There's so many Knicks, Knicks fans that want some guy to play. But then they never say who shouldn't play. Now they have that guy in Alec. Now they have that guy in Alec. This guy shouldn't play, right? But when Grimes is here, it's, oh, you know, why isn't Grimes playing more? And then he wasn't playing well. So you have people saying, Grimes is playing too much. Bench Grimes. Put quickly in there. Put McBride in there. They all have a guy. They all have a guy they want to play that's better. They always have a guy they don't want to play. Now, when you're, when you're playing hard, even Josh Hart is getting to get some of that heat. You got a guy that's playing hard every second of the of the game, getting you, you know, eight, nine, ten rebounds at six four, six five. And you don't want him on the floor. A, a positive most nights. A pos a literal a literal positive on the floor most nights and you complaining about what he doesn't do well. It's always gonna be that guy. But don't be the person that looks at a great fourth quarter from Quentin Grimes and act like you ain't see him play here all year. I even had a guy say it's obvious that Quentin lost something when he got moved to the bench. You want to talk about revisionist history. He got moved to the bench because he had already lost something. What? What are you talking? Think about it. Think about it. He was moved to the bench because he wasn't playing well as a starter. So how can you say he lost something when he got moved to the bench? And then he said he was excited about being moved to the bench. Listen. We talked about this. Losing RJ, and RJ's playing well, but losing RJ, nah, shrug that off, man. You can go play well in Toronto because you couldn't do it here. You need the ball in your hands too much. You're not good enough with the ball in your hands uh, for this team, frankly. All right, you want to debate that? Debate it. IQ, they didn't want to trade IQ. You understand why? Grimes, Grimes got moved because of Grimes. They didn't want to trade Quentin Grimes. You knew how much the organization valued Quentin Grimes. And Nick, the same Nick fans that call themselves Nick fans make fun of the fact that they didn't want to trade Grimes in the Donovan Mitchell trade. And that's a fact. They didn't want to trade him in that trade. It wasn't just like it was, it wasn't Quentin Grimes for Donovan Mitchell, though. It was Quentin Grimes and a bunch of other things. And they didn't want to trade all those other things and Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes had more value to them. It's just like I told you, those players, IQ, Quentin Grimes, they had more value to the Knicks than they had value around the league. And Quentin Grimes was valued by this organization. They didn't want to give him away for possible rentals, but they valued their picks 
and their opportunity to win a championship this year greater than what Grimes' ceiling might be, especially when they saw that his floor can be where it is on this team with this roster with a bunch of players that likely aren't going anywhere. They're going to be right here. So stop, and I tweeted this out. Stop comparing Quentin's ceiling with Burks's floor and acting like you didn't get a 20-point score in Bogdanovich too in that deal. Stop it. And stop thinking you could have gotten Bogdanovich without getting without giving up Grimes. That meant giving up a draft pick. And if it was just as easy as giving up a highly protected first-round pick, that's what they would have done. Anyway, a little bit of a somber episode. Sorry for the somber tone. I'm, I can see the writing on the wall with these games coming up. Golden State coming up. Cleveland coming up. Uh, we got unhealthy roster. They're gonna. They're only a few games out of the play-in. We're talking about moving up in the standings, but they're only a few games out of the play-in. They have to win these games, and they're not gonna do it without Brunson. You can forget it. And if Brunson is playing, you need more of Hartenstein, and you need Bogdanovich and Brooks to step up, and you need more of the old Dante. You're not gonna beat these. You're gonna have a hard time beating these teams if everybody was playing great who's healthy. So you damn sure can't have these guys looking shaky out there and it's, it's the vibes i'm telling you the vibes matter here been around a long time i'm telling you they will tear teams down pat riley always knew it pat riley knew it from day one they will tear teams down at sports ethos on twitter at ethos Knicks. until next time